Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. I'm so sorry, Boomer. I'm so sorry. I just can't afford you anymore. I had to. I had to do it. Welcome to the show. My name is Tony Don Clement, and I'm your host today for Creative Writing, episode number five. On today's show, we go. I'm so sorry, Tony Don. I couldn't afford you either. I couldn't do it. I'm so sorry. On today's episode, I've done a bad, bad thing. See, this will do a wheelie. Yes, it'll wheelie. Through blood. (laughs) So much blood. Anyways, I've done a bad thing on the show today. I I knocked out our producer and our guest host. Let's talk about some people doing some good things. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Kurt Caselli Foundation. What I hate about hipsters and what I love about hipsters. And I drop another interview right into the stink toilet of... The abyss of not having another interview. Is that, does that even make sense? I'm just going to jump right into my sob story of the week. This week's sob story comes when I knocked out the producer and the guest host. Like I said last week, my funding is low. It's Christmas time. My bike needs some triage. My tree needs some bikeage. And, well... I can't afford to keep my my producer conscious, that is. And I sure can't afford to pay the guest host anymore. The reason I had hosts in the first place, a little BTS, I put them on auto-tune. They didn't know any better. They all came out sounding like me. I, I did a little vocal sample in the beginning, check one, two, and then unbeknownst to me, I hit the auto-tune button. And we all kind of sounded the same. So it didn't really matter that I had a host on here or not as far as this voice however if you noticed in my last podcast i tend to say um and like and literally quite literally a lot so that's why i hired talent i made the show notes i did the research i went to the events and i let them do the hard stuff but now i guess i'm on my own today's host tony don clement is being replaced by yours truly so That's my sob story. On the next episode, we're going to swap out the sob stories for a few episodes and go to calls from my good old dad. I like to cycle through these things every once in a while, so we'll probably do five episodes of sob stories and five, five calls from dad and then back to the sob stories. So it's a little behind the scenes action for you all. Let's just jump right into today's first piece of news. Creative writing news. Too much news. So remember the victory combustion that I mentioned last episode at IMS? Well, that's because I didn't. It wasn't finished yet, so they didn't have it at IMS, but they did release it at the New York show this week. And it's called the victory combustion. It looks like a soft tail slim and a striker bullet cow mated because it's got a little visor over the headlamp and a little fairing down in the front i wouldn't say fairing it's got like a spoiler in the front and then the rear fender doesn't go all the way down it doesn't have turn signals or tail lamps or any of that stuff so i don't even know if it's technically even still finished but it did make its show debut so it features the 60 degree v-twin 1200 cc new uh victory motor that they debuted in the 156 racer and and at their uh, bikes at the show. And that is uh, the latest creation in a cooperative effort between Zach Ness and Victory. So uh, go check that out. I don't know if it's going to actually be for sale. And I don't really care. It's not my cup of tea. Also, if you're a Jixus Rata, not Jixer, but the uh, GSX S1000. The A and the FA, which is basically just the the base, the ABS, and then the half fared model of their beautiful GSX S, 
there's a little bit of a recall on this mama because the uh, front brake calipers may leak brake fluid. You don't want to get brake fluid slinging all over everywhere. It can catch on fire. My wife's truck caught on fire from leaky brake fluid. Plus, it peels the paint off of stuff better than an egg. And you get it all over your your rotor and uh, or on your pads, and that ain't going to work. You might as well just squeeze two wet sponges together around your rotor because it's not going to stop. So the little uh, breakdown here is if you have a GSX S1000 manufactured July 28th to July 29th of 2015, if you have the GSX S1000A manufactured July 10th to August 24th, 2015, or the GSX S1000FA manufactured between July 21st and July 27th, these are the affected motorcycles. And uh, it says performance can be reduced if you leak brake fluid. Um, I would say that that's probably correct. They really know what they're talking about. In other news, on December 3rd, Congress, yes, Congress, uh, passed a five-year highway bill that, according to the AMA, includes big wins for motorcyclists. And I'm going to quote straight from the uh, Motorsports Newswire here. It says the Fixing of America Surface Transportation Act includes continued funding for the Recreational Trails Program, which provides funding to states for maintaining, improving, and expanding off-highway recreational opportunities. And I'd like to say that this comes at a time when, in California at least, I've seen lots of things closing or being cordoned off by BLM or any of that stuff. So it's, it's nice that they're doing some funding for some new stuff. You know, you need to get out in the dirt and get dirty once in a while, and there's not going to be anywhere to do that if urban sprawl keeps happening. The second point was a prohibition against using federal funds for discriminatory discriminatory motorcycle-only checkpoints. And I have to say, I've never seen those before, but I've heard about them. Maybe it was the um, Cafe Racer podcast talking about them or something like that. Uh, I've never seen one myself, but apparently they're out there. And it says that they've been battling those for eight years. So. They're, they're going on somewhere. Um, the third point, reestablishing a motorcyclist advisory council to coordinate and counsel the U.S. Department of Transportation on specific infrastructure concerns for motorcyclists. I can only imagine what that could encompass, but hey, cool. Now there's like a motorcycle-specific dude who uh, gets paid to do what he loves, which is blab about shit all day with Congress about motorcycles. They did... Funding of highway safety grants that include programs to reduce distracted driving, including language that makes it easier for states to successfully qualify and receive the money, which probably means just like putting more amber signs, buckle up, don't text, all the shit. You know, you can you can put up signs, but you can't change people. Then it says measures to ensure privacy and security in vehicle-to-vehicle and vehicle-to-infrastructure technology. Hey, I think somebody named the Creative Writing Podcast just did that uh, featured CITS in the last episode. And then, finally, the expansion of pilot programs to place tolls on the nation's existing interstate highways under the Interstate System Reconstruction and Rehabilitation Pilot Program. Oh, I'm sorry, no expansion. So apparently they're, we're not going to pay to use the roads, so we're going to have to get that money somewhere. But anyway, yeah, I thought it was just kind of an interesting thing. It's funny to me, the AMA, they put on, you know, race racing and they do a lot of club thing. I mean, they're, it's a really huge club. And then they kind of do these behind the scenes things in Congress. So it's kind of cool. They're such a huge multifaceted. It's almost like an octopus coming at you from every direction. But yeah, so that's just some interesting things uh, that they are doing in Congress. So snooze, snooze, bore, bore. But it's going to matter at some point to you whether you're into uh, political stuff or not. I'm shithead. Don't you raise your fucking phone. And in other much more general news, uh, I had saved my inbox. We got so much mail from creative writing listeners. Um, Not really. It was just from Cycle Gear and 
competition accessories and bike bandit and any freaking place that sells motorcycle goods left me an email. Thanks guys. You know what I did notice right around the time of the, uh, no, uh, the October 1st Snell, the new Snell rating standard. Oh boy. The helmet closeouts have just been pouring into the inbox since October. And especially with the black Friday and now the Christmas, you know, the, the home stretch to Christmas, these helmets aren't flying off the shelves fast enough. And if you go to creative-riding.com, you can see a little article on the SA <laughs> Snell rating and uh, the 2015 standards took place. You know, they they could start selling helmets on October 1st, and boy, are they trying to get rid of the old ones, the 2010 standards. They're still good. I mean, it's not like they expire, but they're just technically only good for like five more years. So people just wanted to blow them off the shelves and start getting these new ones out there. And also it's a really good time to redo your tires. And I noticed that there's a ton of tires on sale right now too. And I'm guessing it's because, uh, you know, it's starting to rain. So maybe people work on their bikes a lot more in colder parts of the country. And now's a good time to swap out the tires when they get cold and before they heat up and they might crack, you know, get cracks on the sidewalls if you don't keep it in your air-conditioned basement all winter long or if you live in the southwest. I mean, you you know, it's always a good time to get new tires. So, yeah, I've seen those tire flyers just coming at me at 30,000 miles a second. But I have to tell you, I had about like 101 unread emails and they were all hawking like actually about 50% of them were hawking helmets and then as soon as Black Friday started it was everything else but you know I I love everything two wheels so bike bandit I'm sorry price point because I ride mountain bikes and stuff lots of stuff from price point coming out I used to uh, autocross a lot and race do like track days so a lot of safe racer stuff was uh, coming out and all these classic motorsports was sending a bunch of junk out. Like everyone just went ape shit this year and my inbox overflowed. You like you like talking about email? Okay, well that's the end of the news. Uh the first thing I'd like to talk about in episode five is uh something near and dear to my heart, which is the Kurt Caselli Foundation. And just last weekend, they had the Day in the Dirt celebrating the third annual Kurt Caselli Ride Day out at Glen Helen Raceway. If you don't know, Kurt Caselli passed away in 2013 racing the Baja 1000. And I really, I love the Dakar and I really got into the Baja uh, recently too. I mean, just watch Dust to Glory. If you're, if you don't know anything about it or if you're not a huge fan, just watching that movie will pump you up and get you excited for what these guys do. And he was a Heron Hound champ. I mean, he was, he was an all around, just a real talented sportsman. And he was the team captain for the ISDE. I don't even know how many years in a row he was the team captain for that. And he was like the driving force behind uh, how well they did in the past few years. And so his uh, KTM, Red Bull, and FMF participated in the ride, his old uh, sponsors. And so far, they raise money every year, and they actually conduct research. And this year at the uh, 24 Hours of Glen Helen, the Kurt Caselli Foundation was out there doing some research. But let's talk about the foundation. They've distributed $300,000 towards safety measures in the last two years alone. And the focus of the foundation is safety for off-road riders and racers. And they help racers during the three stages of their career, which is before, during, and after racing by encouraging certain standardization of safety policies, the use of safety equipment, and, you know, they help you transition uh, afterward, too. I mean, if if you get hurt and and you try to adjust to your new life post-racing or post-riding, I mean, they have have a step for everybody, no matter what uh, 
where you're at on the ladder, the racing ladder, they got a step for you, a rung, a rung that you can stand on. So basically they were at the 24 hours of Glen Helen conducting brain injury testing and they contacted Greg Merrill, who's a researcher and he runs the uh, concussion protocol for arena football league. So he was out there collecting data, and what they did was they attached these accelerometers to the helmets of the riders to measure the acceleration of their head versus the acceleration uh, to the torso and to the bike, and basically the um, the position of the head and the rotation of the torso. Like they they tracked a lot of different metrics there to get exactly how your head is moving in relation to the bike and in relation to the rest of your body because over 24 hours they wanted to see is if you you know when you're in your peak condition when you're just starting and you're fresh, you know, you might have the ability to ride safely and your head doesn't naturally take that much um What's the word I'm looking for? Impact. And it's not necessarily uh, impact hitting things. I mean, it's just like getting concussed, getting rattled around inside you as you're, as you're riding. And your head weighs w- with your helmet. I mean, you know, add those two weights together, your neck muscles are going to get sore and your shoulder muscles are going to get tight after riding, especially in a 24-hour race. So that was the perfect opportunity for them to test rider fatigue on performance. And as you get more tired... Is your head more likely to whip around? Is it more likely, you know, to jar your brain inside? So that was really such a great test bed for them to be able to go out there and conduct some research there. So what they did is they measured um, data and in conjunction with certain neurological testing that was done before and after the racing so they could get a good baseline and then they can get the results basically like the resultatory information of what's going on during and, and, and after the race, you know, how you performed and how everything's holding up. They obviously, if you crash, they can get some really good uh, crash data and some G-force data from that. And it was used to determine the effects of fatigue and concussive forces on the racers, just going over jumps, hitting whoops, uh, getting bounced around basically. And a possible outcome of the data would be a concussion sensor that could be developed with rider safety in mind that could go in your helmet. And what they were talking about is when you race Baja, I believe that they already have certain things in place. We're And it's just, it's so weird that we were just talking about sits in the last episode. And basically they have a bunch of monitoring systems on you that's feeding back to some infrastructure. And I think it has... A, tr- a movement sensor and, and you know that's how they determined that Kurt was was down is because his they didn't pick up his sensor again later and I guess he he went down it's been three years now and uh, the details are a little bit blurry in my mind but I believe they lost him and it was a part of the track that had poor reception anyway but he never appeared again so they figured he must have went down and then somebody came up behind him and uh, the next rider behind is the one who who discovered him and so the Caselli Foundation actually works, uh, is working with the Baja specifically and with racers specifically, and they're developing a sort of sits right now that not only tracks your body metrics, but it tracks your position on the track. It tracks your position relevant to other vehicles. And just like sits that we were talking about last episode, uh, vehicle to vehicle vehicle communications and vehicle to infrastructure communications same principles and you know when you got these big trophy trucks coming up behind you and all you hear is noise you can you can't tell how far they are how close they are there's dust you know maybe they don't see you and it's amazing that these guys are able to get out of the way when they do and and you know that's why they let the bikes go you know either first or last you know they they stagger the groups like that because it is dangerous when they come up on each other and even trucks bumping into buggies and stuff like that. I mean, you can tip them over if they try to get out of the way and they hit a bush and all of a sudden they're doing a, you know, cartwheel through the dirt. So what the Caselli Foundation is doing is they're working with like a a race version of sits that will allow overtaking vehicles to to get a beacon and sit and see that there's a slower vehicle coming in front of them. It'll give the slower vehicle a warning that there's a faster vehicle coming 
it'll be able to tell vehicles where each other are. And, you know, if you do get hurt and you do crash out there and, and it's night and nobody sees you, the beacon will relay it to the closest upcoming person. So if you're down and another motorcycle's coming up, you're uh, a little a little indicator will, will beep and say, or, or a light will flash and get their attention and say, Hey, there's somebody out here that you're, you're passing and you don't see them. Maybe you need to stop and call, you know, the, the, uh, help and call the, call the med helicopter and all that stuff. So yeah, it was just so interesting. And the, the company that they are doing that with is uh Volacor and it's basically functions as a tracking device, a distress signal, the passing vehicle alert, a downed or crashed vehicle alert, and a local alert for approaching vehicles, which, it, like I said, it's it's like a local network that will, once you enter that um, vehicle-to-vehicle communication space, they'll warn each other. So it was just really amazing um, and just happened to be very coincidental that, I happened to see that right after I was talking about sits for the city and for the street and how OEAs are working on it for uh, road vehicles. And then it's so awesome that the Caselli Foundation is working on this for racers too. Everything that they're doing is just to promote safety, keep racers alive, keep racers racing, and everybody happy. So in honor of the uh, Caselli uh, Bell created 200 limited editions KC66 helmets that were sold on October 1st, which also coincidentally I wrote about and talked about, was the same day that the new Snell, Glide, Snell guidelines took effect. So coincidence? I don't think so. All these things that they do correlate with uh, everything safety related in this world. And Motion Pro announced its KC66 tool pack, and it's designed to meet the needs of the 2015 ISDE team. So basically, it should have everything you're going to need if you're not going to be scrambling up over shit like the Herzberg Rodeo and, you know, the International Six Days. You know, if you're just going on a truck trail or a fire road or something like that, you should be fine. This was this was des- designed specifically to meet the uh, U.S. ISDE teams need. So, I mean, it should have everything for you. And at 50 bucks. Now, these Bell helmets and the Motion Pro, two, Motion Pro tool kits, a portion of both of those sales is going to get contributed to the Kirk Caselli Foundation. So, awesome, awesome, awesome. Great to promote rider safety. I'm all about ATGAT, despite what anybody is, just because you don't want to see anybody get hurt, especially the little guys out there, the little riders that are just starting. You don't want to ruin them by getting them all cracked up before they even get a chance to really uh, be grown-ups and ride and promote the sport themselves. So, yeah, just some great stuff coming out of that. And I really, right when I started getting into Caselli and how great he was, is right when that tragedy struck. And it's just sad to lose a star like that, uh, no matter what form of racing or what form of riding you do. So I'm glad to see that they took a tragedy and they are just running with it and expanding it and making everybody's life a little bit better in the motorcycling world. That was a little preview of some fatherly love that I intend to share with you in the next episode. All right, moving on to the next topic for the show. I would I would like to play some music that I made right now. I've been working hard to make some OG music instead of relying on Apple loops. And I have to say that I relied on the Apple drum beats, but I played my own guitar for this one. Let's kick it while I read my next segment, baby. Well, my next segment is what I hate about hipsters, but it's really what I love about hipsters. Here's things that I hate about hipsters. I can't buy a good goddamn used bike for what it's worth anymore. I can't buy a CB350 for under $4,000. I can't buy a CB400 for under $4,800. And I can't buy a CB750 at all. They're like $11,000 now. They're as much as like a R9T. They're like $15,000. I think they're as much as uh, FLHTCU. They're uh, 
$1,000. So yeah, that's what I don't like about hipsters is that you can't afford a good fucking bike anymore. And Yamaha SR500s, can't even find them. CBs, they're all way overpriced. Everyone's running around trying to scoop up some vintage Ducatis and Hondas, uh, CX500s. Everyone's just, I mean, those things have hit the, the ceiling, the glass ceiling, and they broke through it, and they just keep skyrocketing. At least, in, at least around Southern California or probably like the Southwest because everybody from California is probably just doing what we always do, scavenging other states for their precious resources and bringing them back here and selling them for 73 times what they're actually worth. I think the uh, dollar per cc rule is pretty pretty good. And, you know, add a couple hundred bucks for your custom Wango Tango stuff. Unless you really dialed in a bike, you can get a brand new one for five grand, dude. I mean, if, you, if your bike is better than a Royal Enfield GT, then, okay, charge me like $8,000 for it. But otherwise, I can go down and get like a brand new... Uh, R3 or a CB300, you know, I, I don't even know how much the, uh, the CB500X is, but I can have a sweet adventure bike for, I'm, I'm guessing around five grand. I forget what it, what the pricing was on that, but I mean, come on, dude, your cafe racer that has probably a little bit leaky carbs and some questionable clip-ons that you got from somewhere you don't know. Come on, dude. Sixty-eight hundred bucks, seven thousand bucks. I mean, these things are just—I don't know. Go out of California if you want to buy one. Another thing I don't necessarily like is that all these vintage bikes are being hacked and updated with the latest fad style. And I guess I actually don't hate that as much because sometimes they're taking a real piece of shit and making it look nice. But what I don't like is that people are finding these rarer bikes and hacking them to shit and putting brown seats and knobby tires and all this shit on them and they don't look any better and they ruined something that was kind of classic to begin with. And a lot of these old dirt bikes, hell, you just take them to Cal VMX and race them in the vintage class as you bought them. And uh, no need to go buy uh, Omar's plastics or try to replicate the latest mules uh, flat tracker and i am guilty as charged i took a shitty bike and i'm kind of working it into uh, a touring bike but it was a shitty bike in the first place so and it was a shitty cruiser bike that i'm kind of trying to change into a shitty shitty touring bike so yeah i that is the the flip side of that one hate it maybe not so much depending uh but on the other hand it also takes away from the um available things that other people have to cobble together and that's why i have my bikes i have to like literally make stuff from scratch because there's no good stuff out there anymore everybody's like hoarding all these things and selling some clapped out shocks that you know have oil leaking out of them and you have to fully disassemble them. You might as well just get some cheap Chinesium shocks and put them on. So, uh, another thing that I like about hipsters is that there are some pretty sick-ass bikes coming out because people are taking notice. And I'm not saying that the hipsters are the builders. The builders are the builders. The fabricators are the fabricators. And these guys are that are actually running these little shops and putting out stuff. I mean, I guess they're just, you know, supply and demand. You don't want to make something that nobody's going to buy, right? Right, Chrysler? Anyway, I guess that, you know, the fabricators and builders are just catering to the fads and the styles that are in, and it's just like clothing or anything else, you know? But I guess I do like that the hipster culture is kind of gravitating towards some actually pretty cool bikes and it depends on which arm you're going for because there's a there's a few different uh what i consider like hipster factions you got the the cruiser 
hipster faction that's trying to be like badass uh, biker from the 70s. And then you got the hipster that's trying to be um, basically a commercial for life. You know, I, I don't know. And hipster schmipster. I mean, what does that word even mean? You know, who's a, who's a hipster? I'm just saying, you know, a lot of the guys that I wouldn't want my little kids hanging around in the park because they have questionable facial hair. Uh, these are the guys that are buying and, and riding the bikes. They're not necessarily the guys making them. So I don't know. Uh, it's a double, double-edged sword here. And uh, I also like that the, the clientele has taken an interest in these bikes that the fabricators are making. And I guess what happened is, you know, somebody makes a cool-looking bike, it catches on, the style catches on. I mean, Cafe Racer started to make a comeback, and they kind of dropped off, and now the uh, Street Tracker, which I never thought would catch on, is catching on. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then OE's to grab a hold of it, like the, you know, Ducati Scrambler, all these Scramblers coming out, and, uh, you know, the Scrambler has been around as a style of motorcycle for, you know, ever since like the sixties. So anyways, I, what I, what I do like is that they've revived an interest in, in cool style in in a retro style. And they've kind of revived an interest in these vintage bikes. But what I don't like is that you try to take a turd, polish it and then sell it for 83 times what it's worth. And what you're doing in the meantime is just, taking out of rotation for everybody else that's actually building something purpose-built or like for a vintage class or arma or something like that and you are taking from this available stockpile just so that you can uh, ride it around on saturdays with your friends down to the skate park or to the beach or to the coffee shop or to the park where you guys talk about uh the latest malort and mescaline and Puka, flavor vape, I don't know, whatever people talk about at the park. I don't go to the park except for with my my crazy kids, which by the way, I did have to sell one of my kids. And I'd like to say that uh, it was the boy. I kept the girl around because uh, the second I put her on a bicycle, she was off and pedaling and she said, dad, dad don't let me go. And I said, honey, I haven't had a hold of you since like the first pedal. So, and she's also ridden an electric scooter and she hauls ass on the thing and she's only five years old. So the girl's going to be my motorcycle racer. Um, the boy, he was just too, too dumb, clumsy and physically slow. So I caught him and because he couldn't run fast enough, I boxed him up I sent him off to Horsens Denmark so that he could sweep floors in the industrial museum and maybe he can get a gig as a roadie at the Stone Ass Festival, which is at every August down there in the prison in uh, Feingslet, I believe it's called. So yeah, if you live in Horsens or anywhere in that part of Denmark, uh, say hi to my son. He's four years old. He can't run fast. Slap him a couple times for me and just tell him, sorry, it didn't work out. So, yeah. Also, he likes Danishes, so I don't I don't know if that has anything to do with where he's going, but, you know, maybe he'll be able to speak the Danish language and eat Danishes and just be, be a happy boy for the rest of his life. So thank you, anybody in Horsens that's uh, listening. Time to cut the bullshit. Get to get next segment. All right, all right. This next segment is called How to Winterize Your Bike. Yeah, all right. All right, so yeah, let's talk about winterizing. And as we move into these winter months, it is December, and a few people in the geographical parts of the United States and all over the world, for that matter, aren't going to be riding for a few months at least. So let's talk about proper maintenance and care of your bike during the winter. Uh, ooh, well, I'm from Southern California. I don't know the first thing about winterizing your bike, so don't ask me. You're going to have to go to somewhere like Waukesha, Wisconsin. Find somebody that has a bike, probably, you know, a Jixer or something, somebody that drag races bikes. Hopefully they work on their own bike and they could tell you how to do it. Probably just go to Waukesha, Wisconsin, find somebody that has their own bike, probably named Chris or Dan and 
ask them. Hopefully they're like a street racer or something and they actually work on their own stuff and they'll tell you how to take care of, you know, all your components over the winter because honestly, I have no clue. So that was how to take care of your bike during the winter from Southern California tips you can live by. Oh, yeah. Hot damn, that jam makes me horny every time. All right, well, there is something I want to talk about, if not about winterizing. Uh, I want to know what's up with all the pink women's gear. That was a nice sound. There's a couple more for you. I want to know what is up with women's gear having to be always pink. And whenever I get gloves, why do I always fit in the women's sizes? I, I have small womanly hands, I guess. But every time I am perusing this uh, gear and I see something for dudes, it's always like red or black. Probably maybe a blue thrown in there. And when I see stuff for women, it's either black or pink. And that made me think, maybe, okay, first of all, I have no idea. Ladies, do you all like pink? I mean, is pink like what defines you as a feminine? Because I think it used to be a guy's color back in the 1800s. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I'm pretty sure. So I just wanted to know, you know, do you like other colors besides pink and black? Because um, aside from my little daughter... My wife barely ever wears pink. She wears a lot of black, but I mean, you know, she wears a lot of colors. So as a woman, when you're shopping for gear, is it a piss off that everything you have to buy is either pink or like black? Or do you kind of like that? Do you think when you're buying gear, you want people to know you're a chick? Maybe you don't have hair long enough to hang out the back or you just don't want your hair to get tangled. So you tuck it up in your helmet or in your jacket, whatever you do with it. Do you like that pink? Because then you're telling people, hey, I'm a chick that knows how to ride a bike. So don't give me no shit. AK, you know, whatever. And is that, do you do you buy the pink gear or wear something that's pink just so people know that you're a badass woman? Let me know. Email the show at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. No dashes, no hyphens, no underscores. Um, No special characters except for the at sign in at gmail.com. Let me know. I'd like to get some something besides a freaking helmet sale email sometime, you know? And some roll bar, free roll bar nerf material. I don't even race cars anymore, so... Yeah, Come on, man. I hope a lady's the first one to pack my <laughs> pack my inbox. <laughs> All right. Enough of that pink gear shit. Just let me know. Would you like more colors out there? Because I have some friends that work in the fashion business, and maybe I could hook them up and say, hey, man, I know some ladies out there that would like something more than pink or black. And there just ain't that much out there besides pink or black, unless it's a dude's, uh, what's it called? A dude's jacket or unless it's dude's wardrobe and riding gear so on that note i've been listening to uh, the motorific podcast and listening to these ladies talk gear and bikes and it's pretty badass i suggest you check them out and one of them happens to be here in southern california so i hope she's not in my neighborhood or else i won't be the best podcast in northeastern San Gabriel Valley anymore, uh, west of Duarte and east of Pasadena, and uh, south of Bradbury. And uh, I could start naming specific streets, because if there's any other podcasts around here, they're guaranteed better than mine, and I want to be the best one in my area. So even if I have to make it the two blocks around me, I will. So anyway, check out Motorific. Getting back to the point I was making... One of them is here, and uh, I like listening to them talk about stuff because they don't mention that if they have to buy pink crap all the time. But they do mention that it's hard enough to find stuff that fits women the right way. And I, you know, it's hard. I bet it's hard 
for guys to fit stuff the right way too, because you got a big old beer gut. Huh? You know you do. And uh, it's hard to find a jacket that fits your arms and your big old fat belly. For me, I have to find something that's uh, made for a skinny guy that's not that tall. So like basically a kid or a lady. So whenever I shop sizes, I I see some women's stuff (laughs) in my size. And I don't... I'm like, man, what's all this pink stuff I'm, I have to buy here? Don't they make blue for ladies? So anyway, I guess that's what I get for being four foot three and a hundred pounds. That's not really me. Uh, yeah, actually, it is, and I'm covered in orange hair, and I'm called an orangutan. Thank you. So, um, yeah. So anyway, what's with pink? Riding gear, blah blah blah, motorific, yeah yeah yeah. Let's uh let's start talking about some someone else. Uh, I'd like to bring onto the show here. It's my my guest. Yes, I actually secured a guest, and um trying to punch him up here on the old Google Hangouts as we speak. So let me see if I can do this real fast, and then uh, we'll get him on. Okay, hello, you there? All right, good to go. All right, well, my first guest comes to us from Ashburn, Virginia. His name is Richard Sanborn, and he's working on something I think you might find very interesting. I'll let him take it from here. You want to go ahead and... Well, why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself and the beautiful town of Ashburn. Uh, Well, okay, yeah, my name is Richard Sanborn. And I do live in beautiful Ashburn, Virginia, and uh, it's a pretty cold day right now. It's uh, it's actually been pretty nice, and uh, we're in a little town about, uh, I don't know, you know, 30 miles or so out of Washington, D.C., so, you know, there's a lot of tech companies around and uh, a lot of uh, medical companies and things like that around here, so, you know, we got a lot of, for a small town, we got a lot of big big industry nearby and uh i have a wife and two beautiful kids and so we we have fun playing around here and there's lots of fun stuff to do cool so uh what's going on right now like uh the holiday season and all that <laughs> well not much i mean being a small town we got our our uh local fire stations being rebuilt and so that's the big news and there is a, a distillery uh, in the county that has the, they started distilling uh, spirits for the first time since Prohibition or something like that. Cool. Uh, so we got that nearby. I mean, you know, there's a lot of nice stuff here. We got the uh, local German society is putting on their yearly Christmas market here, not too far away. So we're probably going to head head to that. And yeah, I mean, you know, typical typical East Coast things, you know, you do in the wintertime and it's not snowy or anything right now, so we're just we're just enjoying the cool weather and the family time and uh-huh. and uh basically working on my, my latest project. Cool, cool, cool. All right, yeah, now uh, let's get to the uh the beefy subject. Let's talk about what you're working on right now. Okay, well right now, as you know, as I said you know, there's a lot of tech companies around here. There's a lot of actual heavy industry companies and things like that based back here. And, um, well, right now we're working with a certain motorcycle OEM that you and I discussed. We're going to talk, we're going to reveal that in a minute. But we've got this uh, top secret project going on right now with fuel replacement. Uh-huh. And... Actually, it's more, it's like an, it's like a hybrid solution to the motorcycle problem of the batteries and fuels. Oh, man. And so what we're working with is some of the older technologies that were available to, you know, like the Secret Service and the military and the DOD back in the day uh, as alternative power sources to their vehicles. And we wanted to thinking that you know now using today's modern technology we could we could use that and employ that in a way that would make um you know take battery technology and hybrid 
technology to the next level and be able to apply it to a motorcycle. Ooh, that sounds uh, and, uh, top secret. We've been working with certain OEM to hey, Richard, this. Hey, Richard, who's that behind you? And Is that a co-worker of yours? Richard? Richard. Richard. Boomer. Boomer, is it still recording? Richard. Richard. Boomer, is he there? Richard. Richard. my interview did not go so well with Richard Sanborn. We will try to get back in touch with him. We have not been able to establish contact with him again. If you live in Ashburn, Virginia, and you know Richard, uh, stop by his house for us, would you? All right, moving on to our next uncomfortable subject uh, is an interview that I wanted to do with a dear friend of mine. However, she was sick. She has been sick. I hope she's feeling much better. And I will give you a little preview of our conversation. Um, hey, we're going to start recording the podcast. Are you going to be around? I'm sick. Day three in bed. Dude, is it a tapeworm? If it is, it's in my cranium and its shit is coming out my nose. <laughs> Wow, that's one hell of a visual. Who's taking care of you? That's the first time I've laughed in four days. <laughs> a tapeworm. That was a good one, I must admit. No, no one. I was just thinking today about how being sick sucks when you're single. Yeah, no one else to spread your infection to. It's always nice to share. And it does feel like there's a tapeworm in my skull. Well, I'm no expert, but they could be there. If you're a shithead. <laughs> Tapeworm in My Skull was my favorite Danzig album, by the way. Wow, I like how your poop has flies around it. I guess mine does too. Oh, well on my phone it has eyes and a smile, like a literal shithead. So it's a poo turban? Well, on my phone it's also shit, not poo. That's weird. But yeah, Pooh Turban, which was my favorite Descendants album. LOL. So yeah, that's my friend. She's uh, an awesome writer and uh, a great all-around person, full of cheer every time I see her. And uh, even when things are getting her down, she is one tough bitch. And I can't wait to uh, talk about all the writing that she's done this year and... uh, all the great times she's had on motorcycles. And so we're hoping you feel better, SJ, and talk to you later. And uh, moving on, um, before we wrap up here, I'd like to give you a few, a rundown of a few things going on over Christmas break and a preview of some upcoming episodes, things we're going to talk about. All right, well, here it is. <laughs> That was a very short break. Anyway, uh, some of the things I want to talk about coming up here are uh, going back through some articles over the year that I've uh, been holding on to and collecting. And also, I've been stacking things in my inbox here from various things around the web. And uh, I noticed... And okay, I think it was in episode one. I had said, hey, you know, it was already October when I recorded it, and I was talking about the Isle of Man TT. And it didn't seem relevant, you know, months after it happened. But it's, I swear, I keep getting Isle of Man. If it wasn't stuff after the TT and selling DVDs and books and their stuff, and now it's the 2016 calendar. 
It's the countdown to the TT 2016 is about to start. Albeit a month old, this email was uh, sent to me in November saying that the uh, the countdown's going to start. And I believe about a month ago, Motorcycle Live happened and they had all the TT action there and they began the countdown to 2016, which here, I guess if you're an organizer, then yeah, you start things the day you quit the, you know, the day that you're closing the doors on the 2015, you're already, you got your mind and your brain going on 2016. So it's really, really funny how fast all this stuff happens. I mean, what did we talk about in the first episode? Things that had just, just happened like Pike's Peak and Sturgis and, and, uh, and all that stuff. And it seemed like months, like two months would, you know, seem like forever away for the IMS that was coming up and ICMA and all that stuff. And, and they've already passed. And so, uh, I don't know the IMS is still not over yet, but I think they still have like Florida or something to maybe to go to, but I mean the, the media days, which is LA and New York have already happened. So yeah, all this stuff is just insane. And so, yeah, before you know it, next year will be here. The winter will be over, uh, you know, Winter, winterize your bike. Go ask somebody named Chris in Waukesha, Wisconsin, how to winterize your bike. So, yeah, just a couple things before we go. I'm going to get into, I'm going to quit rambling here nonsensically, which is very easy for me to do. And I'm going to tell you some things that are coming up, hopefully in your part of the woods. If you live in Buenos Aires, Argentina, January 3rd through the 16th, you can witness the Dakar Rally. I loved when this used to run from Paris to Dakar, but, you know, Africa, specifically North Africa, and even parts of the interior have been rife with civil war over the past few, you know, few years, decade or so, which uh, is the prime reason why they had to move this to Buenos Aires. World Superbike will be starting up February 28th in Phillip Island, Australia, so... Anyone listening in Australia, you probably already know. I'm wasting my breath. The FIM World Super Enduro will be taking place on January 2nd in Riesa, Germany. And then moving on to Milano, Italy on the 16th. January 23rd and 24th, the AMA National Hare and Hound will be happening here in Lucerne Valley, California, not too far from me. It is still a ways off, but April 30th, round one of the 2016 FIM World Speedway will start in Crisco, Slovenia, and round two will be in Warsaw, Poland. Crisco, huh? Crisco, maybe it's Crisco. Is that where Crisco gets its name? January 9th and 10th in the covered Del Mar Arena Ivy League flat track is having their day at the races and uh, they'll have classes for anybody in all bikes that's where I popped my flat track cherry was at that arena this summer looks like the Ace Cafe London is having their annual toy run on December 13th and Roughly's Toy Run, happening roughly the day before, it looks, uh, it's hard to tell. One post says the 6th, the flyer says the 12th. So uh, they're meeting at the uh, Stockport Tesco. I, I have to tell you, the only thing I know about Tesco's is stuff I've heard in songs by Goldie Lookin' Chain and Cunt and the Gang. And it doesn't sound like Tesco is... Uh, awesome place but i don't know maybe it's like our walmart here man it looks like the ace has a lot of stuff going on uh december 26th the cold turkey meat and i'm not saying m-e-a-t it's the m-e-e-t at the ace from 10 a.m to who knows when all day baby 28th of december bike day guess where the ace and uh, December 31st, New Year's Eve party from 9 p.m. at The Ace. December 31st, Resolution Resurrection at 
Rose and Crown, which is uh, Southport, Rolled, Olnes, Walton, Leyland, Preston, Lancashire. I don't know if that's like, I don't know, British. This is weird. I don't know British addresses. Maybe, is that a bunch of towns? It says Southport Road, and then it has like five town names. And uh, December 31st, New Year's Eve party, come along and celebrate New Year at the Rock Bar. The venue, Unwanted MCC at the Rock Bar, Shabnall Sports and Social Club. So check it out. Maybe it's Welsh. Maybe it's a Shabnash Road. I don't know. No, Burton on Trent, Staffordshire. No. And then it says uh, free camping and parking. Holy shit. It's got to be pretty chilly, baby. So, yeah, man. Ace is a place to be this uh, this December, apparently. You know, I can't find anything in Denmark happening t- until uh, the summer. And uh, they're having the test at the state prison. Uh, well, shit, I am having some audio troubles here, so I need to cut it short. I uh, did not get to mention Denmark, did not get to mention Norway. I will mention you, Sven Guardian, from the Yellow Jackets MC in one of these upcoming episodes, our encounter we had in Solvang, which is a little Danish town here in California. Sorry I did not get to that, and uh, I'm going to cut out now while I still have audio. My MIDI is getting all mixed up with my, my hoopty. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening to episode five of Creative Writing Podcast. We hope you had a good time. If you need to contact us, you can find us at creative-writing.com. Email us at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Look us up at creative-writing.tumblr.com. Or uh, throw us a paper airplane to uh, the northeastern San Gabriel Valley. won't get it. We'd like to say sorry to the following people. Boomer, we are so sorry we knocked you out. Tony Don Clement, also thank you for guest hosting for about 15 seconds. The Kurt Caselli Foundation. The Victory Combustion. The Softel Slim and Striker Bullet Cal. Zach Ness, Victory Motorcycle Company, the GSX S1000, AFA, and Bass. Uh, we'd like to say sorry to Brake Fluid. We'd like to say sorry to Congress, the AMA, and the New- Motorsports Newswire. Sorry, California. Sorry, the BLM. Sorry, Cycle Gear, Comp Accessories, Bike Bandit, and Price Point, and Safe Racer. Sorry, Classic Motorsports. Sorry, Glenn Helen. Hey, Greg Merrill, good job. We're sorry. Volacor, same to you. The Baja 1000, which I believe is put on by Score. Hey, we're sorry. Bell Helmets, we are sorry. Motion Pro Tools, we are sorry. The Herzberg Rodeo, we're sorry. Apple Products, no, Apple Loops, we're sorry. Hipsters, we are so sorry. We love you, hate you. The CB350, CB400, CB750, CB500X, all CBs. Not Citizens Bands Radios, CB Model Hondas. We're sorry. R9T, we mentioned you this time around. Sorry. FLH TCU, otherwise known as the Electroglide Ultra Classic. We are sorry. Yamaha SR500, we're sorry. Ducati, we're sorry. CX500 from Honda, we're sorry. Royal Enfield Company, we are sorry. Chrysler, we're sorry, but nobody still wants to buy you. Scrambler, any Scrambler, we're sorry. Malort, Hookah, and Vapes. And Mescaline, we are sorry. People that gather in parks, we are sorry. Horsens Denmark, we're sorry. Stoneass Festival, we are sorry. And I hope it's not the Stonias Festival or something like that. And I'm just saying Stoneass. Feingslet, sorry if I even pronounced that right. Danish, anything Danish. The people, the food, the language, anything that's Danish, we're sorry. Waukesha, Wisconsin, sorry. Anybody named Chris or Dan in Waukesha, Wisconsin, we're sorry. Street racers named Chris or Dan that are fabricators in Waukesha, Wisconsin, we are sorry. Pink Women's Gear, sorry. Motorific Podcast, you are super terrific, we're sorry. Richard Sanborn, Richard, I'm sorry. Ashburn, Virginia, I'm sorry. SJ, sorry. Danzig, sorry. The Descendants, sorry. Ace Cafe, Sorry. Goldie Looking Chain. Sorry. But Oi Clark, we're sorry. Cunt and the Gang. 
Well, we're sorry to big cunt and little cunt. Uh, Svein Garberg, uh, sorry, we will mention you again. Tesco's, we're sorry. The Rosen Crown, we are sorry. British addresses, I am sorry. The Rock Bar, we're sorry. Denmark, Norway, and Solvang, which is a city, not a country, we are sorry. Svein Guardian, we're sorry. And... Welsh, the Welsh language. Mindrug Davi, we are sorry, my friends. And that is episode five. You know where to find us. You know how to listen to us with your ears and your sleuthy skills. We'll be back next time to pay the bills. Thrills, chills, and some taco-y spills. All right, I'll see you I noticed that there was a, a theme happening in, in Cycle World of, of gear and things that you could not... Um, could not live without. So Cycle World had... Oh, come on. What a piece of crap. Jesus, did I pay the electricity bill? The lights are flickering like the set of Beetlejuice in here. What's going on? The R9T were haunty. <laughs> Fuck. And that's how you do it, folks. Shit. Hi. Sorry to bother you this evening, sir. Do you know the man pictured here in this photo? No. I don't know anybody in uh, Ashland, Virginia.